As you know, tomorrow is a holiday. And you know what a holiday is, don't you? It's a holy day. It has religious origins. A holiday was intended to give workers a day off so they could go to their place of worship to perform their religious duties. Obviously, that meaning is all but forgotten. The Labor Day holiday began 140 years ago to highlight contributions of American workers. It's not a holy day in the church calendar, but maybe it ought to be. God cares a lot about work. The first thing we learn about God in Scripture is that God is a worker. In Genesis 1 and 2, God worked on the world with patience and attention and delight and took great pleasure in the toil and in the end result. God's labor brought order out of chaos and brought life where there was no life. Then God created human beings and gave them God's own image and likeness and made them partners in labor. We aren't even two chapters into the Bible before we know that God is a worker. And human beings are called to mirror God's work. We are God's collaborators, co-laborers. Our work is holy work. So the church is late to the game on Labor Day. We should have started it to celebrate the sacredness of labor before labor union leaders had to do it themselves. Now, Mennonites don't really need a special holy day to preach that it's good to work. We got that. We didn't invent the Protestant work ethic, but we sure embraced it. In some places, if people know anything at all about Mennonites, it's that they work hard and they don't flinch at a big dirty job like cleaning up after a disaster. So my goal today is not just to elevate work. What I would like us to do is to think about the relationship between work and grace. You might think those are unlikely partners. For thousands of years, Christians have debated the relative importance of grace and works when it comes to our spiritual lives and salvation. The New Testament kind of debates it as well with Paul's writing and the book of James, for instance, seeming to emphasize one or the other. What I want us to think about this morning is whether these two concepts, work and grace, actually belong on two opposite ends of a spectrum, or whether they are deeply intertwined with each other and impossible to separate. Christians over the years have accused each other of emphasizing one or the other too heavily, and some groups get branded for believing in works righteousness. We Mennonites have been accused of that, not infrequently. Other groups get criticized for preaching a cheap grace. I suspect both critiques have some merit. 
One can get out of balance if we're not careful. But really, a tug of war between work and grace is a completely unnecessary conflict. We need a different metaphor. There's not some sweet spot in the middle of a spectrum where we find the perfect balance between grace and work. This is a false separation. We cannot separate work and grace. Work is grace and grace is work because they're woven into the same cloth. One is the warp, the other the woof. Together they are the gospel. In fact, why don't we just make them one word? Grace works. Grace works is God's free and unmerited grace that makes it possible to join with God in our work. Grace works is God's abundant grace that gives work meaning. Grace works is God's invitation to work for the good of God's kingdom. Grace works is working for peace, for justice, for healing, for reconciliation, and for the salvation of ourselves and the world, which is a high privilege to which God has called us by grace. It is God's gift of grace that we are invited to work alongside God as actual co-laborers. We learn about grace works in the opening pages of scripture, the creation story. And it keeps showing up all the way through scripture. And did you hear it this morning in Ecclesiastes? In chapter 1, at first hearing you might think Ecclesiastes uh, is despairing about the uselessness of human labor. What do people gain from all the toil at which they toil under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes. The sun rises and the sun goes down. There is nothing new under the sun. People work hard, but someone else benefits, he seems to say. But then something changes in chapter 5. Is it a change of heart, or is the poet playing with us, playing with language, giving us the both and of work and grace? Ecclesiastes 5.18, hear this. <clears throat> this is a good thing. It is fitting to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun. In the few days of life God gives us, all who accept their lot and find enjoyment in their toil, this is the gift or grace of God. They will hardly think about the shortness of their lives because God keeps them occupied with the joy of their hearts. Even this famously cynical poet admits work is a grace of God. To be able to be occupied with the joy of our hearts, to have meaningful toil, is the gift of a gracious God. It's grace works. 
And Jesus spoke of grace works in his immortal words, Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens. Take my yoke upon you. I am gentle. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. An easy yoke. A light burden. Grace work. Walking with Jesus is still work. There is burden involved. But this is an undertaking of grace. The burden is lightened by the lavish grace of God. God's grace is abundant and unsparing. But it is not, strictly speaking, a one-way transaction. Receiving God's grace is essential to complete it. To say God's grace is lavish and free does not mean there are no expectations of us, no discipline, no hard work, no repentance, no painful transformation involved. Receiving God's grace includes a deliberate and sometimes difficult move on our part. We place ourselves in a position to receive the grace being offered. The offering of grace is God's move. But receiving it is our work to do. And it can be difficult work. Even arduous work. But we're not alone in this work. Grace works is not private. It's personal, yes. Each of us must receive it. But it's not private. Grace draws us into community. We are a community of people living by God's grace. The grace we receive is a gift that we share for the blessing of all. Our work, digging soil, building houses, teaching students, generating capital, selling merchandise, advancing science, mowing grass, visiting the sick, preaching sermons. Our work is a response to God's grace done in the service of God. If we don't see the work that we do, whether paid or unpaid, as contributing in some small way to the reign of God on this earth, then we probably ought to stop what we're doing and find work that does. Of course, society may value some jobs more than others, but God doesn't look at it that way. Every job, from ditch digging to corporate decision making, is an opportunity to offer a gift to God. We do it in the way we carry out our work, in the manner in which we relate to our co-workers and those receiving our labor, and, or even in what our work produces. At its best, work is a worship-filled gift to God. And grace work 
is that continual, everlasting cycle of God's grace enabling our work. And our work returning to God as gift. So let's celebrate that. First with singing. The hymn number is 526, but for now you can just follow on the screen because I want us to ponder the words we're about to sing. You are the God within life, present wherever we live, closer than all our sighing, sustaining power you give. Inside our very bodies, you pump the blood of life. Rhythm in every heartbeat drums out the pulse of life. There with us in the office, there when we're tilling soil, city or town or country, God joins us in our toil. Hear how the ringing hammer joins with the keyboard's clack, echoes of God's good labor giving our answer back. With us in joy and sorrow, you raise us when we fall. You join us in our struggles, seeking the good of all. With us as child and elder through all of life's brief course, your love gives our being, our center, and our source. O oh God of earth and heaven, we serve you where we are. We love you in all people. We praise you in our world. Let's sing together number 526. 